like 52% after taxes. Well, they, I'm not going to override it. Where are you going? Oh, hurry up. They got me mic now. Now I'm going to call you out. Do we do announcements on Wednesday? We do. Who's doing it? Me. You are? Yeah. So you got strokes in both eyeballs. And my vision is deteriorating. Joe. Joe. Um, who are you? Who? Yeah. All right. All right. I, I would appreciate some prayers. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Speaking of that, is there anyone else who has any prayer requests? Obviously, we're going to remember Mitzi, Bill, oh, yeah. Betty. That whole family, really? William and Janice both split out eye surgery tomorrow. Both William and Dennis are having eye surgery tomorrow. Beverly uh, has been to a hip doctor, <coughs> and they're going to try a shot, and if that don't work, then three months later they're going to replace her hip. Okay. Her All right. Don't mind me for a second. I need a pencil. We got a long one today. I brought one in here. They're right here. I got some up here. All right. I brought a piece of paper for this reason and then left the pencil. Said hip, right? For Beverly? Hip, hip, right? Yeah, right here. Yeah. And Anybody else? Go ahead, Carl. Uh, my mom, she, she's kind of like, she's, a, she's been a single mom most of my life. Mm -hmm. Now she's older and her house is falling apart. And no one in the family really has the means to help her. She hasn't had air conditioner for a couple of years. So really, like, she's not part of the church. So that's part of the problem. Um, but, like, I just need some kind of prayer for somebody to be able to help her. What's, what's her name?
Anyone else? And Logan. Anybody else? Yes, we're going to be focusing on that this Sunday as well. Hope everybody got an email or something. Um, since we're talking about that, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not good at doing two things twice at the same time. Oh, I broke my pencil. I guess that's it. We're done. Um, this Sunday morning after, after church, we're going to be kind of doing like a cookout is what we're doing. We've invited everybody from who got backpacks. Um, so we're hoping to get a few. Um, we're going to do kind of a cookout back to school. We're going to have everybody come forward that's a student or a teacher or administration. And the elders are going to pray over them at the end of the sermon. Sermon's going to be about the importance of youth and um, God's love for children. And uh, so the church will be providing hamburgers, hot dogs, um, drinks, cups, plates, napkins, condiments, buns. So we need y'all to bring the rest. Um, a really good, we're kind of looking at like a 10% model. Um, so we gave away about 80 backpacks. So if, if we have a really good turnout, we'll probably get eight extra people, something like that. Um, so yeah, anything else one of the elders want to add? I don't want to say more than I want to speak for everybody. Go ahead, Gail. I have a question. Yeah. Yeah, so there were a few people that came to the door um, that wanted backpacks. We have a lot of extra stuff. So I think there was maybe like 20, 20 ish extra people we were going to potentially stuff backpacks for. Um, they have to come back Sunday to get them, though. <clears throat> so if all them come, that could be a lot of people as well. So, yeah, she needs help. Go ahead. Yeah. To fill backpacks. Won't take very long. Just a couple people wouldn't take very long at all. Jamie. You got to speak louder than that. Pray for these boys to get into college. Which ones? All of them? I mean, you're asking for more than one miracle right there. Yeah, thank you. Oh. Of course. Of course. All right, we'll pray for Timmy. Jeremiah and Mark, by the way, are two of the three that got baptized at Teen Week. Mark wasn't here when we um, said that that Sunday morning. So the one with the big fro, that's Mark. He's chilling. I think I need to write softer, but it's just not in me. 
Anybody else? It's going to turn into a prayer night. Yeah, you did. We do it every we do it every Wednesday now. This is probably our longest one we've had so for a while. Um, all right. No one else. Doug. Sue? No, that's another name. Give it to me. Tell me again. I'm sorry. Cindy. And she's sinus infection. Sinus problems. I can relate to that. This thing I got clinged on to me for weeks. Yeah, go ahead. I have a friend that's watching. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez. J Lo. Anybody else? Backpacks ten o'clock Friday morning if you can help. Okay. All right. Um, another thing I had um, Doug Gertis send something out um, about a prayer service for Mitzi on the 11th. They're already changing the date on me, so if you're watching, let's figured that part out so we can tell everybody. Um, so I don't know when that'll be, maybe the 12th, maybe the 13th, same weekend. But apparently Mitzi has a, um, something she has to do with the doctor that's, she's worried she's gonna be able to get back in time for it. So me and Betty and Mitzi will get that together quickly and let you know when. We've changed the date about three times. If I'm being honest, um, but we got They want to give opportunity for a lot of Mitzi. Mitzi knows a lot of people. Bobby knows a lot of people. They want to give people the opportunity to be part of it. So they're trying to work around lots of different schedules. Anybody else? That's like a prayer per person that showed up tonight. All right. I think I covered everything. Is that did I cover everything announcement wise? 
We were like, that was ADD announcements today. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. Um, God, we're grateful. We're grateful for your love. We're, we're grateful for your presence in our lives. We're grateful for the relationship that we all have with you. Father, we're going to be studying in Romans 11 tonight. And Lord, there's a really, really important concept that we need to see very clearly. And it can be distracting because the scripture is a little tricky. And Father, I just pray wisdom on all of us as we discuss it tonight. I, I pray uh, that we sharpen one another. I pray that that if we feel like we need to say something, that we say it, whether we're right or wrong, um, or even indifferent. Lord, our communication with one another is so important. The, the way we grow is together. Father, that's why Wednesday night Bible class is so special. So I just pray that you give um, us the appropriate amount of courage and wisdom to Speak when we feel like we need to and not be afraid of um, judgment or fear of being wrong. Lord, I just think that's so important and healthy for a church that's growing, not just trying to grow in number and, and membership, but also in, in our spirits, Lord, in our relationship with you. Father, um, we have a lot we want to pray for tonight. Uh, we want to pray for Lex. Um, he's had a stroke in both eyes and he's starting to lose vision and that's, that's life changing really fast, Lord, and can be really scary. So Father, I just pray healing. I pray blessings upon Lex. I pray that um, Edith is patient with him and that he's patient with her. that you can restore his sight and help him get through this. Father, I also pray for uh, Beverly and her hip. Just be with the doctors. Help them to figure out the right solutions and, and give her as much comfort and, and healing as she can possibly receive. Father, we know this is all in your will, so we pray more importantly to you than even the doctors. But, Lord, the doctors are important too. Father, I also pray for Betty and same issue, just a little bit further down the line. I think Betty's uh, hip. Now the rehab's tough. The, the pain is tough. The, just not being able to be comfortable. I think about times where I've hurt myself in my legs and how it even, you know, it just affects so, much, so many things. Even your sleeping. Pattern and schedule, Lord, I just pray for Betty that you give her comfort and peace, especially while she's going through all this with everybody else in her family. Speaking of that, I pray for Mitzi, Lord. Um, God, we're, we're just going to keep praying to you for a miracle. We're just going to keep praying to you for full healing. We're going to keep praying to you that, that you restore her. Father, she means so much to me, and 
I just pray on her behalf that you grant her a miracle. I've seen you work. I know you can. God, she's been through a lot, and we've all been praying for her for a long time. We're just praying for healing, Lord. I also pray for Bill. I know Betty was texting me um, with some some fears and concerns, Lord. I'm, you know what they are. I just pray that they figure out what's going on with him. Father, I also pray for Holly and her baby, Lord. Um, I also know that they. They had a little bit of a scare today and she's on bed rest right now and and we pray you protect the baby. Keep it safe. Father, we also pray for Carl's mom, Sabrina. Lord, she needs help. She needs help to get her life back together to to get her house in order. Lord, and we pray that, that you send somebody to her to help her, not just physically, but spiritually. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sometimes when we're in struggle, it's a, it's a great opportunity to, to see you. So we pray not only that you send somebody to help her, but that you send somebody to help her see you, find you. Father, we also pray for Jonathan White and Logan. They have COVID and it seems like it's been going around a little bit here. And God, we're just grateful, one, that it's maybe not, maybe not as scary as it was a couple years ago. Father, we're grateful that, that you hear our prayers and right now we're praying for healing with them as well. <clears throat> Fast recovery. <clears throat> Father, also tomorrow, William Sands and Dennis Reichert both have eye surgery and I know I just recently went in for a little thing that was on my skin and it's still a little it's a little unnerving anytime they're poking around your eye and messing with your eye or cutting into your eye or Lord, I just pray that you give them comfort give them courage Father be with the doctors as well help them fix the problems that they're struggling with and Help them get back their vision as well. Father, we're also thinking about the time of year it is, and we know in just a little over a week, and our, our, our children and our teachers and our administration are going to go back to school, and Lord, our kids are so important to us, and we, we know you love them. So, Father, we just pray that 
the education system will, will do the right thing for our children. Father, that will give them a good education that will allow our um, country not just to, to, to survive, but to thrive. To really foster the skills and the abilities that every one of our children possess, Lord, and, and, and figure out how to bring that out of them in the best way. And we pray that they're seeking your guidance as they, as they teach our children. We pray that our children are good and that they listen and that they absorb well. Because one day this church is going to be theirs to lead and their children's children, just like your promises have always been. Father, they're our future. So we pray many blessings over all of them and those that work with them. Father, we also want to pray for Mark, Jeremiah, and for me, it's Timmy. It's always going to be Timmy. Father, they're, they're young men. They're not boys anymore. And they're getting ready to take that next major step in their life. And I know many of us believe college is always a good choice if you can make it happen. So, Father, we just pray that the money's right. A lot of it's going to involve money. It's unfortunate that it's that way, but it's the reality. So we pray that the money's right, that they can make it happen. Lord, I know not everybody here graduated from a Christian school, and I know that's not um, the most important thing in the world, but I can speak from my own experience. It is, it is a strengthening process. It is a solidifying process in a time where, where many of us are prone to wander, prone to stray. And many of us are going to make decisions in our lives that affect our lives for the rest of our lives. It's just that time of life. So, Father, be with them. Give their families guidance and wisdom um, to help them make the right next step. Father, I also want to continue to pray thanksgiving for how we saw you move with Leah. Um, I just can't explain enough how it's not just a physical healing. It's, a, it's, it's so much deeper than that. It's spiritual healing as well. Father, I just, I can't thank you enough for, for hearing our prayer, for doing the impossible, for bringing her back to life. Father, I also want to pray for my wife, Amy. Seems like things are getting better all the time, and we just have these little seasons of setbacks, these little seasons where it just keeps reminding us it's not gone. Father, I just ask that you give us answers so we know what we need to do. We're still in a place where we're not really 100% sure. We're grasping at everything, but no, really nothing. Again, we're asking for healing with everybody on this prayer list. Because we know really it's all in your hands. Everything is in your hands, all things. Help me to be patient. Help me to be understanding and kind. Help me to be the husband that I need to be for her. 
Father, we're also praying for Heidi. She's, she's, um, she's out of the place that was making her so uncomfortable, Lord, and now she needs a new place to live. So, Father, we'll, we're just praying that you help her figure that out, that you give her a roof over her head, a place to get clean. place to be fed. Father, we're also praying for Cindy. She's got um, sinus problems, congestion. Lord, whatever's going around, it, it, it doesn't go away for a while. <clears throat> and it affects, at least from, from my own Experience It affects a lot of different things. It affects your nose. It affects your throat. It affects your stomach even at times. It affects your lungs and your chest. And it just drags. I'll be with all of us that are dealing with that. I hear coughs every week in church. Nose is sniffling, throats being cleared. We all need healing. Be with Cindy. Be with our Elise. We love our Elise so much. She's such an encouragement to so many of us. And she fell, and um, Lord, I'm not 100% sure we know all of what could be injured or, or what's hurting, we know she is hurting. So, Father, if there's any way we can give her comfort and bring her peace, Lord, just help us to be that instrument and, and give her healing as well. And really, with all of these names that are on this list, Lord, we just pray that we can be that instrument that brings comfort, that brings peace, that brings love and hope. God, that's, that's what your people do. We want to be your people. God, also be with Jennifer. They just lost her nephew. I'm very familiar with losing someone young, young unexpectedly, and I am also very familiar with the pain that comes every year on the birthday for many years and how it doesn't just affect you, it affects your whole family and it affects even your friends around you that were close. And, God, I have a lot of sympathy for that type of hurt. So I just pray you give them comfort and peace. Give them assurance that, that he's in a better place because he's with you. Father, I also pray for Lawrence. I don't really know him or really too much about what's going on with him. I just know he's in the hospital. I know... Elvie, who is always serving other people, is with him right now. And so, Father, I pray that, again, you can work a miracle. Because it seems like it's not good. Father, just be with us all. We, we all need you in so many different ways. We need you all the time, but sometimes even specifically in so many different ways. And. Lord, I'm grateful for a long prayer list, to be honest with you. It shows the heart 
It shows the compassion of the church. It shows that we're not just so involved in our own lives that we don't know about others. I pray you always give us that heart. We're always people of compassion. We thank you so much for your compassion that you look down on us. And even though, as Romans has told us many times, none of us were worthy, Lord, you, you made us worthy through the sacrifice of your son. We thank you for the hope that comes through that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So class is half over, so I have to talk really fast tonight. Um, especially if I'm getting you out early, which has been the goal lately. But Whereas Steve Sharp would tell me, it's not early at all. It's the time we always get out. Um, that's right. So I want to go back to here. For those of you who were here last week, especially, um, just as a reminder, this is where we... Ended off, really, it was two weeks ago, but last time we spoke in Romans 11. Um, just a reminder, this imagery, remember we were talking about the, the olive trees, and one of the special characteristics of the olive tree is how long they live, that um, there are many olive trees, especially in the Middle Eastern area where Jesus would have been roaming the earth, that are what they believe to be over a thousand years old. Those are pictures of all olive trees that are over a thousand years old. I also want to show, remind you again of the, the picture that's on your left of the old, what? You're right. You're right. You're. What? Oh, here. She wants me to do this. Over here, on this side being the right side, um, you're right side. Um, <laughs> it's confusing when you're looking at these over here, but I should know it's just the same. All right. Um, that's an, another ancient olive tree that has been grafted. And so you have a wild olive tree that has been grafted by a cultivated olive tree, which is exactly what we've been talking about a little bit in Romans 11. I also want to remind you that this was imagery that people would have seen. This is not new technology. This is something they've been doing for a long time. And this is imagery people would have seen as they were, especially Jews, which is a lot of what Paul is talking to in Romans. They would have seen this. They would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying to them. And, and we talked about that from a new, a modern day application of you know, some of you have more history at this church than I do. Some of you have been going here longer than me. And that's the Jews. They have been God's people. They have been trying at least, some of them at least, a remnant of them throughout all of their generations has been trying to serve God. They have been God's people. And now all of a sudden, the Gentiles have been added to that. They are the Branches that have been grafted into the ancient tree. Now, the issue that the Jews are having at this time is, well, who's the experts? Of course it would be the Jews. If you're a Gentile and you've just converted yourself, right? You've just been converted to, to Jesus and to Christianity. How much of 
Judaism, how much of the old law, for example, would you even know? Probably not very much at all. So they were the experts in what they were trying to do. One of the struggles that we see over and over in the New Testament when the Jews are being talked to, specifically, is they were trying to say, hey, in order for you to come and actually get in the club, you have to be like us. You have to do all the things that we do based on the old law. And part of what Paul has been talking about all through Romans up to this point is that that law, right, that law can't save you. That law couldn't save you, right? Because if you're guilty of part of the law, you're guilty of all the law. The law can't save you. If you're a lawbreaker once, you're just a lawbreaker. You can never not be a lawbreaker again. How many people in this room would raise their hand and say, I've only sinned one time? Today. Today, exactly, right? One time would be amazing. If you only sinned one time in your life, it would still be amazing. But guess what? In God's standard, based on God's law, you're still a transgressor. You're still a lawbreaker. How many times has God broke the law? He never has, never will. It's not going to happen. So when you put yourself to God's standard, which is really what the law is, it's kind of revealing God to mankind, his standard, his, his line of morality, if you will. We can't live up. So here you have the old tree, the old part of the tree, trying to tell the new tree what they're supposed to look like. And clearly, they don't look the same. It's very important to make, bring that into application today as we bring new people in. If we're really being the church of Christ, if we're really being the church that God has called us to be, then we should be bringing new people in. And what we have to be really careful of is not expecting new people to start looking just like us the second they show up in the door. Really, ever. Really, ever. You know, at the beginning of Romans, he talks about something that's very, um, well, I don't know, maybe it's because I've taught youth for so long, but in a youth class, it would be a very uncomfortable part of the Bible to teach. Because we're talking about circumcision. But that was a very permanent thing. That is still a very permanent thing. You either are or you're not. If you're a man. Well, this was one of the things that the Jews were trying to get the Gentiles who were converted, their men, they were, they were trying to get them to do it. And guess what? Under the old law, if you were converted to Judaism, guess what you did? Well, this is a permanent thing. This is something that if you're looking at somebody from a physical perspective, there is something very different about the Jew and the Gentile that's never going to change. That's why I'm bringing it up. Just like there's going to be people that come in and they're not going to fully look like you. They're not going to fully look like me. They're not going to fully look like. Pick it out. God made us different for reasons. Those reasons are so that we can be every part of the body that this body needs to not just survive, but to thrive in our community. It's very important. He has been building and building and building. This is one of those chapters. I mean, how, many, how often do you hear somebody quote something out of Romans 11? 
Like I said, you'll hear stuff from Romans 1, you'll hear stuff from Romans 3, you'll hear stuff from Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 8, Romans 12. Maybe even a little bit from Romans 10, Romans 11, nah, not so much. And part of it's because, well, the language is not like the most motivating scriptures out there. Romans got a lot of really motivating scriptures. But this is one of his whole main points he's been working to this whole time. It's this understanding. You're not looking to put people into a mold. Let me ask you another question. Think about this, what I'm, what I'm telling you. Do you really know what Jesus looked like? You don't know. Do you really even know, think about this, do you really even know the color of his skin? We can make assumptions based on where he was born, lineage, stuff like that, right? Do you really know? You really know the color of his hair? How about his eyes? How about how tall he was? You know what the scripture says about him? You know what the prophets say about him? Yeah, well, what it says is that there was nothing about his physicalness that would have been attractive. He didn't have any, based on who he was, he didn't have any advantages. Okay? You go and look at studies. Studies will tell you there are certain physical characteristics that give you advantages in this life. For men, height. Height helps. You don't believe me? Talk to the teenage girls. Height helps. Right? For women, beauty helps. You don't believe me? Talk to the teenage boys that are here. It's just reality. Well, he probably wasn't Saul, who was head and shoulders taller than every other Israelite, right? And he probably wasn't David, who was known for being amazingly looking, gorgeous, let alone an awesome warrior, a songwriter. I mean, come on. We're not looking for people to come in and look like us. That picture can't be any more revealing. That's why I had to get us there before we ended last time. That's why I had to start here right now because we're going to move into the next part and we got to do that really quick. Man, but I wanted to give you a summary a little bit too to remind you, to remind you. He's been talking about this the whole time. That's why he puts us all in the same boat and he says, for all, for all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the same boat. Does it matter who you are? Does it matter how pretty you are, how tall you are, how rich you are, how smart you are? You weren't smart enough not to sin. How about this? Does it matter how long you've been going here? In, the man's, in, in man's world, in, in, men, in, in tradition of men, would it matter how long you went here? Yeah, I think that's a very worldly thing. Well, I've been here 60 years. It means my vote counts twice. You've been here five. Still too new, your vote counts once. Or maybe I could say, well, I have the most family that goes here. My vote counts twice. You? Your family's very small. I'm sorry. Your vote only counts once. 
right? Or you could say, well, I'm more involved than everybody else, so my vote counts twice. You see what I'm saying? We do this. Don't act like we don't do this. And we all do it in our own ways. Listen, we're not the guardians of North Brevard. Jesus will handle that. just want to be real clear. And what we look like spiritually is extremely important. Don't get me wrong. There is a model we're all chasing. But physically, we don't know what that looks like. Spiritually, we do. Okay? So I want to make that, I just, I, we kind of had to rush through that because, you know, everybody else was talking too much last time. And uh, I just wanted to make sure we hit that real good before we moved on because I think it's, this is literally to me one of the most important concepts that never gets talked about in Romans because there's so much more exciting language in all these other chapters. Don't expect people to think just the way you think, to act just the way you act. To look just the way you look, dress just the way you dress. Don't expect that. All right. So, this is kind of still building on this idea of the Gentiles being grafted in to the people of God, to Israel. Okay? Israel's the old tree, the Gentiles are the new branches, right? So, I just want to uh, make sure we're all on the same page because we're, we're still there. But this is also where it gets a little tricky, this part of the scripture. So it says, lest you be wise in your own sight. This is starting in verse 25. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. So I want you to think about what is the mystery that Paul is talking about right here. He's talking about a mystery. He says it in, in plain language. Brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So before we go on to the next slide, who's had a partial hardening? Israel. And why have they had a partial hardening? Yeah, because the Gentiles have come in. This is, their hardening is what gives the Gentiles, don't, don't miss this in the language, it's part of the mystery. It's what gives the Gentiles, if you will, this new way in. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about the Jews. He's talking about Israel. But as regards to election, what election? Say it again. Yeah, they're chosen. They were chosen by God, right? Didn't God choose Abraham? And from Abraham, he was going to make a great nation. And that great nation was going to be God's people. Right? We get all the way to Saul. Samuel says, God, they want a king. I failed you. I've ruined it. And, and God says, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I'm supposed to be their king. They want a king like everybody else. Right? They were God's people. Who won all their wars? God. He always had their back. Right? 
They're beloved for the sake of their forefathers. What does he mean by that? Why are they beloved for the sake of their forefathers? Let's just go real slow, real quick. Real slow and quick. Yeah. Well, he has to be consistent whether they are or not because of his. Yeah, because he's made promises. And these promises range many generations, right? You don't start with one man and have more descendants than the sand and the sea in a generation. Especially not a man whose wife is barren most of her life. Right? All right. So he's made these promises. So they have been beloved because of their election, because of the forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So if God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank, right? You can take it to the bank. It's irrevocable. It's not going to change. All right. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. What's the mystery? Why is that a mystery? Who didn't believe it? People in general, right? Yeah. So a lot of people use this scripture to say that the Jews, all of them, that bloodline, they're all going to be saved. Have you ever heard that before? Have you heard somebody tell you that before? A lot of that comes from Romans 11. They believe the mystery is that the Jews, based on the promises of God from a long time ago, basically because God had a conversation and made promises to Abraham, then he had promises, made promises with, with you know, Isaac and, and, and Jacob, Go fast forward, you got other people as well, right? You got David. Basically, they say they're good. How could God judge somebody? Because, look, doesn't he say right here that they, they were dealing with a partial hardening? So is it really their fault? See, you didn't even know this was in Romans 11, did you? What's the mystery? The gospel, don't forget that. The gospel is 100% the mystery that Paul's talking about here. Look at the scripture. Look at the scripture he quotes, and don't get lost on this scripture. Because it's plain. It's not a mystery, right? The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Who's Jacob? Right, Jacob is Israel, right? Jacob's the one who wrestles with the angel of the Lord. His name gets changed to 
Israel. Israel has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel, ultimately becoming a great nation one day far down the road, right? Many generations later. So God's going to banish ungodliness from Jacob. Israel, don't forget that. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Now that sounds future tense, right? And this is what throws people off. Paul says, I mean, people say, oh, well, well, Paul was using a scripture about future tense. So therefore, this is something that's going to happen in the future. No, the, 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 the prophecy is written in future tense. But Jesus has already died on the cross when he wrote this. If you don't think this was a mystery to the Jews, read more of your New Testament. Specifically read some of Galatians. Read, go back and reread Romans. It's a mystery. What were the Jews expecting? All the way to the ascension, what were the Jews expecting? Yeah, they're expecting to, be, to a rise of prominence amongst two, amongst their country, amongst their people. That's what they're expecting. What did the promise, all the way from the beginning, promise the world? The Jews were supposed to be the Israelites. Let's start there. The, 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 the descendants of Abraham. They were supposed to be people who were a cert, certainly God's people. Right? He ta Paul talks about this earlier in Romans where he's like, hey, you got tons of advantages. God not only elected you, as we read here, but he gave you the very word of God. You had it before anybody else. But they were never supposed to keep it to themselves. Make no mistake about it. It's just part of what we do. Is the world very nice? Isn't it a little scary to share Jesus with people? You never know how they're going to react. Some people, it's like, man, I've been waiting to hear this my whole life. When those times happen, it's amazing. It's life-changing. It'll fire you up the rest of your life. You help bring people to Jesus, you will never be able to stop. That part is 100% true. It's amazing. It's a blessing. It's revitalizing. It's God's work. Yeah, it's God's work. Go ahead, Paul. That's right. That's right. It's always been about faith. Carl? Also talking about how God keeps all of his promises. In Genesis, he made a promise to every nation, which is that a Savior would come and crush the serpent's head. And so he has specific promises for the Jews, but in the beginning, the first promise was for everyone. That's right. 100%. Because all of sin... Falling short of the glory of God. So therefore, everybody's in the trap. Everybody's in the trap. It's not till the sacrifice of Jesus and the blood of Christ till anybody gets out of the trap. Go ahead, Mike. That's right. How about um, Romans 10, verse 12? There's neither Jew nor there is no distinction between Jew and Greek anymore in Christ Jesus. If you 
You can take this scripture, and this is one of the things I want you to see, because, man, especially with the young people, right? It's like one-sentence arguments, right? Social media has turned everybody into a one-sentence warrior, and if you have the best sentence, you win. And they do that with scripture, too. They'll pull one scripture out, and they'll say, see? And if you do that, you will be wrong more than you will be right, because context keeps you in line. You get out of context, you find a scripture that says something different than the whole rest of the Bible, you're, it's probably not that scripture is wrong, it's probably your interpretation is wrong. There's neither Jew nor Greek. How about this? Romans 8 uh, verse 3. The law, the law can't save you. He says it point blank. It's not about the Jews and it's not about the Gentiles. It's about how everybody now has the same way to salvation. Think about this. In the Old Testament, if you were a converted Gentile, did you get the same treatment? No. No, you didn't get the same treatment. Would your family ever get the same treatment? No. They wouldn't. Even though you did everything you were supposed to do under the law to be and look just like them, did you ever get the same treatment? No, you didn't. You see? Don't miss it. When I take away their sins, the Jews were still looking for Jesus to restore the kingdom. They asked him when he's ascending, when are you going to do that? He said, my father will do it when it's time. They were still looking, even, and think about who was with him at that time. That was his most faithful people. The people that were there at the ascension are his most faithful people. They followed him to the very end. And they're asking that, so don't miss it. That's the mystery. It can get really, really hazy if you uh, miss that. So we're going we're gonna to jump, because we've got we to gotta at least finish Romans 11. Um, verse 33, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord who, or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? What can you give him? What can you tell him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Now, I want to say this. This is a side note. But this scripture right here is extremely important. When we're talking about theology of God, this scripture is extremely important for two ways. One, one, I'll warn all of you to realize that you will never fully know God. You will never be able to think exactly the way God thinks. This is New Testament, right? And it's scripture from Old Testament. It's from the old and in the new. It's not changing. God's ways are far above our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. So do I fully understand everything in scripture? I do not. Are there potential other mysteries that I will never know? Absolutely. And the reason why I stress that is because one, I want you to realize this. What does he say? Who can counsel God? 
Can you think of times where people tried to counsel God in the Bible? Can you think of times? Moses, when did he do it? Yeah, you're right. God was like, I'm sick of these people. These stiff-necked people. They never do anything they're supposed to do. You know what, Moses? We're just going to start over. We're going to start over with you. And Moses is like, God, you don't want to do that. If you do that, everybody's going to label you a God that you're not. I wonder, was God being tested by Moses or was Moses testing God? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of that? Yeah. Was Moses ever frustrated with his people? Like the whole time. Like the whole time. So the one time, imagine now, we don't always put it all in context, right? Imagine the one time God is like, Moses has been like, you know, what did you do? You know, I was over here minding my own business. I had started my life over. Everything was great. My family was growing. My wife is beautiful. Like, and now you got me over here doing this with these people. You know how many times he probably said that for real to God? They saw all those miracles and, 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 and we get to the Red Sea and, and they lost all their faith. We get across the Red Sea and we're heading to Canaan and not just one mistake, not just two They're making mistakes the whole way. And then when we get there, it's like, oh, we forgot who God was. We forgot who got us this far already. Right? Just imagine the whole time they're going, man, what are we doing out here with you, Moses? What are we doing? We'd have been better off in Egypt. Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Forgetting that they were the ones crying out to God. And that's why he sent Moses to begin with. You imagine being stuck in that for 40 years, wandering in the desert? That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> so how many times did God say it to Moses? The one time Moses says it back to God, everybody's like, ah, oh. Well, look at that. Moses changed God's mind. Who's counseled God? I say it too over uh, Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot. And I've said this in the past, and I, I just want give to give you a different angle, an angle that I come from. You don't have to necessarily 100% agree with me on this. It's okay. Well, what about Lot? What about his family? Oh, go find 100, go find 90, go find 80, go find 70, go find, go find 10. Go find 10. Did God know the number before they ever started the conversation? Definitely did. So who was getting tested? Who was getting tested? You see what I'm saying? Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your ways are not God's ways. There's never been a time in history where man's been smarter than God. Never. Not one conversation, not one second, not one moment. Peter did tell Jesus, don't go to the cross. What did he say to, Jesus? What did he say to Peter? Yeah, you better get behind me, Satan. Right? So, remember that when you're dealing with each other. Remember that. You know, the older I get and the more I'm in the Word of God, the more confident I am that I've got a lot of things figured out about the Word of God. Don't you feel that way? 
If you're reading your Bible and you're studying on a regular basis, I guarantee you're getting some confidence in the Word of God. It's being planted in your heart and it's being planted in your mind and you're thinking about it and you're meditating on it. That's part of what the Word of God does when we allow ourselves to be in it. All you got to do is read it. It'll start working in your life. It's active. It's working, right? That's right. Sharper. That's right. I say all that to say this, and this will be my last point. And this is where we got to be careful. And I think it's appropriate timing as well for everything that we've been going through the last couple weeks. If you're not careful, at some point in time, your interpretation will become not just your interpretation anymore, but the way you read the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And I've watched it happen to many people time and time again. And you know what that does when you do that, when you start to do that? You know what that does? That starts to make you decide what people need to look like to get in the club. How they need to believe. How they need to read scripture. What their interpretation is needs to be your interpretation or else somebody's wrong. I got news for you. We're all wrong in some way. Because you don't have the mind. You have the mind of Christ, but you, you don't... You don't know the ways of God. You don't have, your thoughts are not God's thoughts. So be careful with that. When I talk about legalism, that's what I'm talking about. When my interpretation of scripture becomes the way the word of God is only going to be read and accepted here at this church. That's legalism. You know why that's ridiculous? Let me tell you exactly why that's ridiculous. Because even if you're 100% right, nobody else is ever going to be 100% with you. Talk to your own spouses. Let me tell you another mystery. Your wives, even after 60 years, your husbands, even after 60 years, they don't think exactly the way you do. Neither do me and Amy. Maybe that's why God's got us together. So we can still challenge and push each other. Now, I'm not saying there's not obvious things, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying just throw the baby out with the bathwater and just forget we ever knew anything. But be patient with one another. You know, one of the things that um, Rob said that I, I want to say, I would like to say, is something that I've done for a long period of my life, but I never really knew how to enunciate it the right way is defer, don't debate. Defer, don't debate. In other words, when you're talking to people who are new, who are looking at the Bible for the first time, who are new in Christ, right? Defer, don't debate. They're not always ready for everything you are. They're not always where you're going to be, right? Start with the basics and then allow them to grow and work with them along the way. And if we all get to the same place at one point in time, praise God. Wonderful. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if we sat down and we made a list of things we all believe based on our own studies, our own individual studies in the Bible, I guarantee you a big chunk of that we'd all agree with. There wouldn't be arguments over. But sometimes that 5 to 10% that we might think differently on is what gets more attention. Right? I don't really have a summary statement, so the lesson's yours. 
I love you all. Thanks for coming.